0: Salutations from space, and welcome to the Starry Telling Podcast with your host and celestial navigator, Gemini Brett of More Than Astrology. This show honors the ancient tradition of verbal transmission, so each episode will begin with a new telling of an old myth or legend. We will then seek to unveil hidden gems of cosmological, philosophical, astronomical, psychological, astrological, and mystical wisdom woven into the web of these starry stories. We will feature original music and guests from all walks of the way. We are gathered here today to celebrate the marriage of heaven and earth, the as above to the so below, the as without to the so within. Let us begin. We are go for lunch.
1: What's this? What's this? There's colors everywhere. Is this? There are children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys and absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window, oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones I feel a warmth that's coming from inside. What is this?
0: Well, folks, welcome to A Christmas Carol. I've been asked by a lot of people to tell some of the stories of these strange holiday proceedings that we seem somewhat unconsciously member to. This is a um, bit of a spoiler warning to parents out there if you happen to have... Little ones listening in who do not want to see the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, this would be a good time to hit stop.
1: What is this? There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. Busy building toys and absolutely no one's dead. Frost in every window, oh, I can't believe my eyes. In my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from inside. What is this? On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Twelve drummers
0: drumming, eleven pipers piping, Ten lords a-leaping, nine ladies dancing Eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming Six geese a-laying, five golden rings Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves And a partridge in a pear tree and a blessed epiphany to you, sir. <laughs> Yo Maria. Yo kick that beat in. waka. wick up <laughs> Sleeping tight, waiting for this guy, this, like, um, he's, like, this really jolly, um, well, like, this fat elf, you know?
2: A fat elf?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure that he necessarily is, is the elf, but he's, like, the father of, like, thousands of elves, right? Dude, wait, and-
2: he's the father of Thousands of elves. Like, who's the mommies?
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there is Mrs. Clara- well, no, he's not like necessarily literally the father, but he's Father Christmas. You know, he's um he. You know, the- he's just kind of like the chief or like um or like the head of this this phil- 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 philanthrop- phil- philanthropical um, organization. You know, and they're and they're headquartered in the North Pole where all these elves live.
2: So. So he's like, they work for him.
0: Yeah, well, they're you know, they they like all day, every day, for like the whole year, they're like making, they're in this factory kind of.
2: So they're like so he he's like their slave driver. They're like slaves.
0: No, not- no, 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 it's like this factory. It's like this joy factory. <sighs> Like there's there's candy canes and they're, they're making toys and stuff and they love doing this right they're like these little guys that just work all the time you know
2: so like little happy slaves
0: <laughs> well I mean they're not well I mean oh this is a tough start <laughs> maybe we should start over should we should we cut this yeah you can
2: just edit this
0: out yeah okay I'll just edit that part out can you play a little more I think that's gonna help sure um yeah and just don't worry about it. The, the idea is this uh, he's like this old jolly elf you know and he wears red he's like this fat guy he wears this red and white and he lives uh, like I, way white. um it's just part of the cheer is it
2: like the blood in
0: the semen is it no, like the no 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 no, no 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 it's like christmas cheer oh, you okay. know and um and I mean, it, that's
2: pretty cheerful the red and
0: the white it's pretty cheery yeah totally I mean well I mean I guess there would be semen if there were thousands of <laughs> no but anyway regardless like they have this like hidden operation basically like the
2: like the NSA
0: <laughs> well, no, but it's so jolly. They either,
2: like see they're like jolly CIA. Stories. Yeah,
0: totally. So maybe it's Is the it others. Like the
2: Christmas Nazi party?
0: No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, though they are at the North Pole, and that's sometimes people say that that's where those guys went to find the. Um, the race inside the earth Though, regardless this is what I'm saying so he's got this sleigh and he flies around on this on this night once a year right and he's on this sleigh he has toys for every child in the world like how all the that, good how is
2: that even possible like how how can one dude fly around the whole world with toys for
0: every oh, because there's there, the reindeer. The, there's flying reindeer that pull this. There's oh. eight flying. No, there's nine now. Wait, there's, there's
2: nine flying reindeer. Yeah,
0: yeah. There were eight, but the, there was this foggy night, and um, and this one, this guy Rudolph, this this other reindeer was like cast to basically be the spotlight because he had this glowing nose. Wait, so, so he
2: he was like the special one, so he's the chosen one now, so he gets to guide everybody.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I love that you ask it that way, Maria, because that kind of touches, like, the real story um, of this guy Santa Claus, which is that well, somehow it's related to um, baby Jesus Christ, right? Baby
2: Jesus? What does
0: baby Jesus have to do with Santa Claus? Uh, Maybe he was jolly, or... (laughs) <laughs> or the North Pole. <laughs> well, definitely the magic and the cheer. Or um, yeah, I'm not sure. But so there's like these trees, right? And you put you put a star on the tree, and then you put these lights on it, and um, and well, that's just really holy, you know. And then and then you and then you buy stuff for like everybody that you know, and then everybody buys stuff for you. Well,
2: what if I buy stuff for people? And they don't buy stuff
0: for me. Well, then you just stop buying them stuff like next year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but then they might get you something, and then you feel bad. I mean, it's this trip, and it's been like it's been like since the days of Christ, right? So we're talking like five thousand years or like three, like I can't remember when that how was.
2: Long, how how long ago did
0: Christmas start? Um. Well, Christ was born. Oh, we're, it's like the calendar thing, right? So like BC to AD. Or, um... Yeah, so what? I mean, it just turned 2016. Today's January 7th, 2016.
2: So Jesus is 2,000
0: years old? Yeah, and then Santa... Santa, what, like, a
2: 1,000 years old? When did Santa come into the mix?
0: Well, he's at least... Yeah. I mean, he's really jolly, and... <laughs> so, well, this is this is my understanding of it, okay? So, for, for one thing, like... Like the 12 Days of Christmas, right? So, um that actually d- just ended so Christmas is December 25th although really isn't it about winter solstice which just December 21st usually and we kind of been convinced to believe that the 12 days of Christmas lead up to that because we're supposed to buy gifts like we should buy like eight maids a milking for our true love and, and I mean, um, if we're
2: buying eight maids and milking, are we buying, like, what exactly are we buying? Are we buying, like, the cows too? Are we buying, like, are we buying them the eight maids as slaves? Or are we, like, paying for housing? No, for I mean, this, 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 no, no, like, there's just,
0: there's too. no slaves in this thing, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, like, these are, like, joyful elves and then, like, maids that just milk because it's Christmas time. And so, you know, I mean, yeah, cows how long, how or sometimes goats. Eight, how
2: long do we get the eight maids of milking? That's what I'm saying, because they got to live, right? They got to eat. So do we, you give them to me? Are they taken care of? Is that part of the deal?
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a really good question. And then I wonder if it's goats or, because you can milk a goat, right? There's like goats' milk and goats' cheese and stuff. And then there's like, um... or maybe they're nursemaids and they're helping to milk, you know, women or. Or there's all those birds. There's like the partridge and the pear tree and the turtle doves and the um, geese and the swans. What's
2: with all the birds?
0: Well, maybe you have to milk them, right? So you get the, the the milkmaids. Yeah, and there's eight of them. So maybe you get them for eight days or I don't know. I mean, like if your true love was gone for Christmas instead of all be home for Christmas, like he's obviously going to send you stuff. You know, or she's gonna send you stuff like lords a leaping and you know ladies dancing, and then like drummers. So wait,
2: my my partner's gonna be gone, and he's gonna send me eight lords a leaping or (laughs) ten lords a leaping. Yeah,
0: so you can be jolly. You know, (laughs) are they
2: gonna be like dancing all around?
0: I mean, I think they'll kind of do what you want. Well, they are lords. I mean, it depends on your particular lords thing. Yeah, like maybe they come and lord you about for a present. You know. Or they come and, like, lure the ladies about, tell them how to dance, or, like, how the milk ladies are supposed to milk, or... I don't know. I mean, I'm confused about the whole thing. And the weird thing is, like, that song, it doesn't really seem to tell it straight, because my understanding is actually, like, the real 12 Days of Christmas begin on Christmas Eve, um, and then there's, like, St. Nicholas Day, and then... And then there's, like, a different saint or, like, a different person for every day. Like, Santa Claus is just this one saint who, like, is the flying reindeer saint. And then there's these other people. And, like, even on, you know, there's there, you celebrate women, too. Like, on January 1st, you celebrate, you know, the Mary. And then, um, and, and then... Christmas
2: just really be about celebrating Mary? She's the one giving birth here.
0: Yeah, but it was a virgin birth.
2: I know, but it's still going to be intense. I mean, did her, was her, they don't talk about the birth of Christ. Like, how was that? Like, did she go into labor? How long was the labor? You know, did she Well, tear? I wonder if it was like
0: six days because,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it could have been. Did she
2: eat her placenta after?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you make it into a tincture now. So you I can. Know. but right. back
2: then you just cook the soup. I mean, like.
0: No, oh, they had, like, even better midwives back then. Right? Oh, so that was probably the soup thing. Like, tinctures, like, not even. Know, no
2: one talks about the birth. Like, did she have some birth trauma? Like, like, was he breech? Or did yeah, he I mean,
0: he's a holy, like, star child. Came
2: with no pain? Like, did she have an orgasmic birth? Wouldn't it be cool if Mary had an ecstatic birth? She
0: was totally tantric, you know? And that's but why... she was, like,
2: 14.
0: <laughs> why? Really?
2: Yeah, well, that's how I... That,
0: that's the Saturn opposition.
2: I know, right? And there she is. She's calling in the, the, the Jesus Christ birth.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like we're getting a little blasphemous here. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably... Maybe the labor was, like, six days long because that's when the three kings showed up, right? Which is kind of, like, normal for, like, a, for like a manger birth or whatever. So there's these three kings, right? Or the, um, the magi, the wise people, you know? And actually, like, that was the day, like, back in the day. That's when you would give gifts and stuff. And still in Spain and a lot of, like, the... In Spanish countries like Brazil and whatever they'll that's like three kings tres reyes you know that's like when you have the big party and you give the gifts and there'll be a cake and they slice the cake up and whoever gets the cake with a little silver Jesus in it Or the coins in it, then you're lucky for that whole year if you carry the little silver baby Jesus around, like, you know, he's your baby or whatever, or keep the coins and don't spend them. Or you can put, like, $100 on, like, a Yule log, you know? So it's not only about buying people stuff. Like, you can literally get rich if you get the right piece of cake or whatever. And and there were all these children who were, like, killed, you know? That was, like... Um, and it wasn't, like, a slave thing, like, so don't even ask that, but, um, but, you know, back in the day, there was this king who had heard that, like, the child would take the whole kingdom and stuff, and so he, like, said, just kill everybody, and they did, but they didn't get the kid, because he was in the manger or whatever, but then these, like, magicians or these kings came to that king and said that they saw a star and that they were following the star to this, like, little star child, and, um basically he told them where they could find that child it seems but he didn't know where to find him because he wanted to kill him i don't know so there's also one of these days where you celebrate like basically the tragedy of all these children that were killed right i
2: totally forgot all about that that did happen with the big x's on the door right they like went around and marked all the
0: doors. no that was like a totally different thing that was um that was for that's like the a, a totally different book that was the that was the older book that was like you know moses and stuff this is like a whole another guy i mean and you know santa's kind of kind of related to all so santa kind of had like pieces of all of it right but just to speak about like the three kings and like epiphany right so the thing about um them going to see the birth of this child well you know there might be some astronomical stuff behind it like did you see the zeitgeist movie You know, like Woody Harrelson or whatever, that's cool. Um, And so they show you that, like, three kings, and still to this day we call the belt stars of Orion, the three kings. And that they follow, they, like, point through the brightest star of the sky, Sirius, and it looks at the constellation of the Virgin, yeah? And that from the Virgin is born the sun, and that happens at, you know, in September, (laughs) or maybe October, mm-hmm. and back then, more like September, so that doesn't really seem to do it either, and and the crazy thing is, like, first of all, there weren't really anything in that book that say there were three of these dudes, the, the deal is that they brought gold, and they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh, and gold, because he was a king, and frankincense because he was a priest, and myrrh because he was, like, a mortal, um or like a doctor and a priest I don't know these kinds of things but so I think people assume that because there were uh, three gifts there were three dudes and then um, also because you know they were magi they, they were like magicians and they just called them kings but I think that's because they were really uncomfortable with the idea of magicians after some time or whatever. And what's really interesting is like there's other books that recently came up, like the Gnostic texts, like in the Nag Hammadi library or the um, or like the the Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and they say that he, you know, they weren't really following a star at all. Like, um, so I'll just read to you. This is from the the Book of the Bee. Right, Which we all know because it was absolutely eradicated And buried in a clay jar for 2,000 years Anyway, um, as touching the nature of that star Whether it was a star in its nature or in appearance only It is right to know that it was not as other stars But a secret power which appeared like a star For all the others that are in the firmament And the sun and moon perform their course from east to west This one, however, made its course from north to south For Palestine lies thus over against Persia. This star was not seen by them at night only, but also during the day and at noon. And it was seen in the time when the sun is particularly strong because it was not one of the stars. Sometimes it appeared and sometimes it was hidden entirely. It guided the Magi as far as Palestine. This is not an ordinary movement of the stars, but a, a rational power. Moreover, it had no fixed path. It did not always remain in the height of heaven, but sometimes it came down, and sometimes it mounted up. So that's pretty strange. This rational star sounds, I mean, like entirely ra- irrational to me. And and this whole story is just a trip, and it's really confusing, and the history is like all over the place, and the traditions of it are really crazy too, so... Um, you know, what's interesting is when you talk to, um, some people about Christmas and talk to them about, well, there's all these pagan traditions in it and like the tree and the greens and there's all this stuff from Rome and Saturnalia and, you know, um, black peat in the Netherlands. Well, maybe that gets into like Odin a little bit and there seems to be like mushroom, a source of peat, you know.
2: Pete? Yeah, Black Pete. What's
0: that Yeah, yeah. Oh, like Sinterklaas in the what? Netherlands.
2: What's you...
0: Oh, I mean, I should show you some pictures. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Ready really... go there? I'm not sure. I think maybe we'll get back to Sforza. Maybe we should warm these people up a little bit. Um... But yeah, you know, so some people get really offended. Like, there's people who, you know, already won't comment on this podcast. But if they were to, they'd be, you know, might say, "Well, I'm this is really mean or something." Because obviously, we're talking about the celebration of, you know, the Lord. But if you. Th- I mean, if you just look at the traditions and like when they came online and how old this Christmas that we celebrate is and this Santa Claus and stuff, and this idea that, well, how is that a celebration of the birthday of this like, you know, star child or this magical messiah or whatever. And the weird thing is, is that there's, you know, if you read that book, and I I kind of feel like a lot of these people like don't actually do that. It doesn't really seem at all like this kid was born in December Because this was Jerusalem and there's lines about, you know, like the shepherds guarding their flock at night throughout the night, you know, out in the fields. And, you know, if you're a shepherd in Jerusalem, like you don't do that until spring. That's like April and that, you know, Um, and it wasn't really decided that Christ's birthday was in December until like the fourth century. You know, after the Council of Nicaea and it was like already, well, we're all Christians and what what books are going to stay in the Bible and all that kind of thing. They're starting to decide on this stuff. And Christ was given this birthday December 25th and, you know people listening to this at least who've made it this far probably have seen many presentations of how many different um, kind of solar figures over time like Mithras and Sol Invictus and Horus and there's a, a lot of different presentations that many of these different kind of um, year kings and solar figures were born around winter solstice and why would that be and I think that's a really good question, but kind of the idea is, well, that's when um, Christ's birthday got pushed to December 25th, because it made sense because there were already all these parties happening there, like all over the world for a long time. And there were many different figures who kind of carried that same imagery and mythos and power um, throughout time. And for me personally, really what they were doing was realigning, you know, the, the sun, to the Son of God, if you will, or the Son of Man, as he calls himself, um, to the mysteries of the sun in the sky. And, you know, I mean, for me, there's really no coincidence that sun and sun are these homonyms, but people say, well, that's in English, and English didn't come around till well after that book was written, and, you know, Greek and Akkadian, but actually the words in greek aren't that far from being homonyms either and for me like what came first you know the the chicken or the egg because well when this language was created that was the scene and so maybe they were actually preserving mysteries just in naming those homonyms but either way i mean well at december solstice isn't the sun born in so many senses and shouldn't we start our calendar then? But we started not then. We started on January 1st, which is such a trip. And the deal is that the 12 days of Christmas really are meant to start like December 24th. And then they run until the eve of Tres Reyes or the eve of Epiphany, which is January 5th. And then on January 6th there is Epiphany, right, which is Three Kings, which is this big holiday, which is when you get the cake with the little, you know, silver Jesus, and then it's good for you all year or whatever. Um, but to me, like, well, there's a lot of mystery and truth just alive in some of these tellings. I mean, I was never interested in that book, but um, as I'm becoming an astrologer and really interested in the archaeoastronomy and the old stories, well, we, we find so much of the um, kind of mysteries hidden there and they really seem to be the mysteries of the sun like the giving incredible furnace in the sky that gives us life and light and warmth and um and then has its 12 disciples or its 12 tribes you know the 12 signs the 12 constellations of the zodiac that it moves through and it just seems really easy to see and where there are crosses in the sky and there's a lot of that story comes in and And the winter solstice is so important and it has been celebrated by so many cultures throughout time because, well, it's the darkest night, right? I mean, you're deep in the cave. This is a time, I think, where you have these feasts and you celebrate and you basically say, well, we're going to make it through. And if not, we might as well eat some of this stuff, you know, and have a party. But... Why do we start our calendars at January 1st? Well, we didn't used to. They used to start at winter solstice, and there was a lot of calendar switches. There have been over time. Even still, people celebrate calendars where January 6th is December 25th because there's a 10-day shift between the Gregorian and the Julian calendars, which are both used in Western cultures at this time, mostly the Gregorian calendar. Um... And why January 1st instead of December 25th, or December 21st, or January 6th? And it's really interesting, but that's the sixth day of Christmas. That's the middle day of the twelve. And it's also a day that celebrates, as we were saying earlier, that's the day that celebrates Mary, the Virgin Mary. And it's interesting that our year then is born from the mother, our year then is born from the Virgin. And I really like that imagery because it is mothers who give birth, after all, to the sons and to the daughters. And the sun itself, well, it's interesting, again, that we begin our calendar at winter solstice because it's just like us starting our days at midnight. Have you ever thought about how strange that is, when we literally start our days at the darkest hour? And it used to be that many cultures would begin their days at sunrise, which seems to make a lot of sense, right? But if you start living by a clock, then sunrise changes every day. So to normalize that, you're going to have to pick a time, and why not pick midnight? And why, I feel it does make sense. And it's the same thing as shifting as many, many ancient calendars used to begin with the vernal equinox, a spring equinox, yeah? Now so many of them begin in this wintertime. Um, And that's just like shifting from sunrise to midnight. In fact, you can really explore a lot of the astronomical, astrological mysteries simply by contemplating the annual events of the year, the seasons, into the day. Right. So from midnight or from sunrise until the next day, um, you can compress all 12 signs, archetypes, into there and take a look right so the sun rises at aries but we begin our days at midnight which would be like winter solstice which is like capricorn because what well now the sun at midnight is basically at the top of the other hemisphere sky it's as far from us as it kit in a sense but now it's beginning to climb it's on the way to the horizon to rise so we can feel its warmth again and think of the capricorn goat well the goat climbs the mountain right And then at sunrise, and this would be akin to like spring equinox in in this contemplation, well, there's the ram, and the ram maybe charges up even a little faster, right? And what happens in the story of, of this sun, you know, born around winter solstice, well, that's the birth of the sun, yeah? Since autumn equinox, or since sunset, since twilight, we're going into the darkness, um, on the yearly where well, the sun is rising further and further south for us in the northern hemisphere every day and, um, and for those in the southern hemisphere but for us in the northern hemisphere it's getting colder and colder Yeah, and um, then at solstice it's at its furthest southern expression the lowest it gets in the sky the longest night and solstice means the stopping of the sun It stops there, it turns around, and it starts rising further north every day, although it's parked for a few days. So around December 21st, it reaches its maximum southern rise, southern set, its lowest in the sky, the longest night, and then it begins to rise. And it takes a few days, so it really is around this Christmas Eve or this first day of Christmas Um, Where we can see that the sun now has solstice It has stopped, it has turned around And it's coming back And we're heading, though it's going to get colder We are heading to the warmer times on the other side of the year Or if we think about midnight, well we are heading towards noon Yeah. So we've gone maximum darkness and now we're coming back to the light. And so, of course, we're going to celebrate that and have these parties and have these feasts. And that's all around the world. But, um, well, so, so much of the different symbolism, like we think about a Christmas tree. Well, what is that? Right. I mean, an evergreen tree. Well, at this time of the year when all these things are dead, what is the greatest symbol of eternal life but that tree that does not lose its leaves while all the others have, you know? And honoring that by bringing a piece of it into the house... And literally cherishing that and using that as a symbol and a stimulus. The irony
2: is that we kill the tree in order to bring it into the house to cherish its everlasting qualities.
0: Well, and that's kind of a newer scene, right? Because it used to be that you would just bring some branches in and let the tree live. And then it got to like the wreath level. And you think of a wreath, well, that's pretty amazing because here you have this circle right which also tells you about the circle of life and the seasons and you can think about the astrological round or whatever or the zodiac which encircles the earth so yeah when we started yanking like whole trees in there and then going full tinsel town like electric light decorations that's also kind of a newer trip right And, you know, the sad thing I find is, like, we put these five-pointed stars on top of the tree often we don't really understand where that's coming from, cutting down the tree, decorating it, shoving all these gifts underneath it. Well, there isn't much thought about the tree itself, and, um, well, that's what this whole thing really should be about, it would seem, and that's just part of it, and, you know, the... The fertility of the earth, the fertility of life, the idea that we can come back from this darkest hour of night, this longest night of the year, you know, the the depths of the darkness, well, you know, that's that red and white. Mario was mentioning earlier, you know, blood and the semen and, and the bells and the candles, you know what I mean? And the holly and the ivy. This has been part of the Christmas traditions in many lands for a long time, and fertility festivals... I mean, in a lot of the pagan traditions, it kind of seems like every holiday is a fertility holiday, and then it kind of seems like maybe it'd be a lot of fun to be a pagan, I don't don't really know, I don't do that. Personally, maybe more and more, but these mysteries of, like, Yule, which this season has been called for a long, long time, Um, really resonate and really seem to make a lot of sense, and it's very much in touch with nature. And so, of course, it was, like, destroyed, in a sense, by the church um, because nature worship was seen as this kind of demonic or devilish thing, which is so interesting. And if you think about how closely related Santa, you know, with just a little... Renegotiation of the letters becomes Satan and becomes Saturn. Well, that's very interesting because in Rome, you know, the greatest party at this time of year was Saturnalia. And Saturn was a god of harvest and um, he could kind of be a, a strict boss, you know, but um, Saturnalia was also basically tuned to the rising, the return of the victorious sun, Victus, who was born on December solstice, or winter solstice, of a virgin, and so many of those different themes kind of come in there. And Saturnalia was a really interesting time. There was gift giving then as well. You know, one of the strangest things, and I mean, we may as well go here because this word came up too much tonight, but like the idea of slaves, well, um, that was the scene back in the Roman days, yeah? And the deal is the, and I think this is one of the places that Santa's hat comes from is that... Um, The slaves on Saturnalia would switch places with their masters. Now, back then, there was this special kind of hat. I forget what it's called, but a modern term would be a a liberty cap. And we see it in a lot of, like, the Washington, D.C. monuments. It was worn a lot by the French during the Revolution. Um... When a slave was freed back in the Roman days, there was this hat, this liberty cap, that showed basically people that they were now a free person. And at Saturnalia, the masters and the slaves, it is said, would kind of switch places. And so the slaves would wear these hats, and the masters then would like prepare dinner for their slaves and give them gifts and treat them like masters for a day. I kind of have a feeling that that probably didn't go down like that in every household. But who knows, maybe it did. But, I mean, like, what we're definitely told about those times is everyone just got, like, smashed and drunk and really partied. And in some ways, it was also the setting, the resetting of the calendar round. They had a holiday called, um, uh, well, Calendus. And so that's, um, you know, it was like this huge New Year celebration. And it was also this idea, I would suggest, of celebrating winter solstice and we're in the darkness and we're gonna make it through and here's some energy we can give to the birth of the new year and, you know, help us make it there. And they did have greens that they would bring into the house, but most likely that came from more northern traditions, because we know that the Roman Empire, like, was kind of everywhere for a while and it started further south in Italy, where they certainly have winter, especially, you know, up in the mountains and whatever, but and it's not as cold as like you know some of the germanic and like nordic places and um, celtic zones right where there's some serious winter and that's where a lot of the christmas traditions have come from um like bringing the greens in and maybe even the sleigh like you know santa doesn't really roll around on a on a chariot you know kind of if it started like an olympic zone that's maybe more of what we would expect now apollo's chariot is kind of sleigh-like anyway and just think about that that the sun literally the sun god is in this like kind of sleigh in the sky so well that's an interesting tie between the sun and santa and then maybe taking it back to the baby in some ways but more we would say well there were like horse drawn sleighs like in the Nordic tradition and if we look into that mythos well many will celebrate Freya on winter solstice you know the Freya who was this great goddess who really was Venus who Friday is named for Freya and there's also Frigg who was um, Odin's wife and I'll get back to Odin the All-Father in a second, but Freya had this kind of sleigh or chariot or cart that was drawn by lions. And that brings up the imagery of, like Sibele, who was the great mater, the great mother goddess going back in time. But she was celebrated even more around, you know, summer harvest and lamas and this kind of thing. So there was another Norse goddess who was called Hertha who um, the hearth is named after, and she had like a deer-drawn cart or sleigh. And, well, that's pretty familiar, right? And there are stories about how she would roll around on this deer-drawn sleigh and distribute um, presents. Some say as well that um, if you wanted presents from her, sometimes she would fill your boots with gold but that was if you would leave your boots out with hay in them to feed her deer but you see that goes back to an older time too or a different time maybe the same time but a different image who was Odin himself and Odin was like the all father now he was the father of Thor and the father of Balder um, but he was like also
2: Fanta, he the was. Of many children
0: yeah cuz he was the father of all nine universes all nine realms as well like he was the, he was the main papa smurf you know and um and Odin kind of had this shamanic thing. I mean, Odin like hung himself upside down in a tree for 9 days to have the vision, you know, of how to better lead his people. Took out one of his own eyes to have better sight, which is a pretty interesting thing. Ooh, but it out
2: for him.
0: Well, I think it worked really well. I mean, I think it worked out for everyone is kind of the idea. I mean, Odin's like a good dude, you know. And um you know, I always wonder which eye like did he take out his left eye? Did he take out like the right eye was it the feminine side was it the masculine side we kind of think that taking out like the masculine side and kind of like the logical processing eye so you can have better like dream sight would be more of like a shamanic kind of odin santa thing to do it's hard to say but odin you know odin had this well he had an eight-legged horse right and Sleipnir. And the Schleitnir would come through and you would leave your boot out with hay for Schleitnir, you know. So think about kids nowadays leaving their like their um, carrots and cookies out, you know, cookies for Santa and then carrots for the deer for the eight reindeer and well now there's nine and Odin did hang himself for nine days, but the eight really comes from the eight-legged horse sleep near and you would leave the hay for sleep and then you would get treats you know or you would get presents or whatever so a lot of those traditions seem to have been maintained and you know about the flying reindeer and kind of the shamanism bit I think I'll get back to that in a second but I first just have to complain for a second because you know what the fuck is up with elf on the shelf have you seen that yet
2: Oh, yeah. oh, wait, the elf on the shelf where you can hire an elf to sit at your Christmas party just on the <laughs> shelf and hang out? I did see that.
0: Man, that. you you roll with some really advanced people. No, there's <laughs> this there's this new there's this book, you know, and, and <laughs> my nieces and my nephew have this thing happening. And I gotta say I kinda got into it a little bit. You know, my dad asked me a while ago, he's like it was their cocktail hour, and my stepmom. And they're like, "Well, if you have kids, giving me that like fat chance look, like, are you going to tell them about the mysteries of of Christmas and we Santa?" We had that. We talked
2: about this when we hung
0: out. With us. Yeah, because I'm bitter about it, you know. And I was like, "Well, I mean, I might talk about like the real mysteries of the sun and winter solstice, and you know, the holly and the king and the ivy queen, and and." He's like, do so you want to destroy all myth? And I was like, dude, I was just telling you about Prometheus for like an hour. <laughs> no, that I'm, I'm all about myth, but I want to like really give favor to the real magic and just not get lost in this, you know. Other thing that we've created without understanding at least where it came from. So that's a bit of this. And then and then I met the elf on the shelf. So the elf on the shelf is um and I'm putting my little quote fingers up in the air now, which I don't do often, but it's a Christmas tradition, it says in the book. That started like five years ago. So first of all, I'm kind of having a hard time like thinking of anything that's five years old as a tradition. You know? But the idea is you um you get this elf, you get this like I don't know if he's stuffed or he's like this weird kind of mannequin looking elf dude and you hide him from the kids every day. But you hide him in like, this really obvious place that then they can find him. But they're not allowed to touch him, because if you touch the elf, it loses his magic. So you just leave him there until the kids go to bed, and then you hide him again the next day. And it's like...
2: It's fun I, game.
0: It's kind of fun, you know? So I got really into it. Like I had an elf like, in the piano bench with just like, a little foot hanging out, you know? And um, I, I liked hiding the elf, i got to admit that. But it just did, did seem to be weird to start playing into this new tradition that how could it really be a tradition and more of this just like weird magic because I mean, you can just look at this thing and it's like this fake plastic elf thing and they give it a name and they write the name in the book or whatever. But like, it's, it's just not real. And, and I liked it because I liked seeing these kids that I love so much, like really thriving on the excitement of, in the magic of this, but but it was just, it's right there, and it's fake, you know? And and right now, these kids, two of them anyway, are getting to the age where one's already kind of crossed that point of what is real and what is fake, if you know what I'm saying, and the other one's like, don't even tell me about it. I don't want to know about it. Um, So that that was just, like, a little bit of complaining about Elf on the Shelf, but it's also to say, like, what what is this thing that we're, like, creating this, like this mythos this modern mythos and what is it turned into and the whole like well you know you better be good and or else you don't get you know presents and you know a lot of these songs and um just the consumerism christmas it seems really weird then christmas wasn't really in this country the united states for much of its history
2: why? Because Santa Claus is coming to town. He's watching you, kids.
0: Yeah. What's he do, do if you're bad?
2: He's making a list. Mm-hmm. He's checking it twice. Mm-hmm. He's going to find out if you've been naughty all alone in your room. <laughs> and he's going to give you a lump of coal. Hopefully there's some diamonds in it. But.
0: Yeah, I mean, or even coal itself is you know i mean i don't know there's like trains that go get coal all the time it's i mean you can get electricity or whatever yeah, you way.
2: could go trade it in for some candy <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know now in the like in the internet age that's probably totally happening like trade your <laughs> trade your coal <laughs>
2: That could be a new. Tra- it's actually a tradition. <laughs> yeah, piece, yeah. You get piece You give pieces of coal to your bad kid, and then they trade it in on the website for like virtue.
0: Right, to pay and the- back
2: for their karma that they accrued for being naughty.
0: Yeah, virtue. Yeah, you could do that. You could do the virtue thing, which is totally cool. I mean, that's like that's a path. Or you could get money, and then you can buy like the nice kids' toys from them. That you cool. know what I mean? It's or like, like trade them. Like,
2: it's like different. It's like another version of the elephant. Elephant walk
0: again yeah like the elephant yeah like the the elephant the the, the elephant on the shelf you know and just basically like i don't know what kind of spiritual tradition do you want to choose here um but so one of these was like you know in in this country back in the day we were told it's like super christian or whatever i mean i do a lot of my researches in dc and i find a lot of like i don't know like Spiritual traditions that are very Visible in the art and architecture That really have nothing to do with Christianity and have everything to do with The Greco-Roman traditions and Nordic and Egyptian And so that's interesting but Either way there certainly was like a pretty Massive Puritan scene here and Back in the day Santa wasn't allowed Right because it was like no saints I mean it was like no Catholic it was Like a whole different scene of Christians right So like saints in general were bad Guys and um and people were just like they weren't really revolting against that, they were just partying, like December solstice. It was like these Saturnalia like raging parties you know you get your guitar out and you'd like finger pick like kind of fast stuff and people would just get really drunk and crazy and fight and maybe even riot a little bit and after some time and i think it was really in new york city which was called new amsterdam right and in amsterdam well in amsterdam um santa was super important i guess at the time and So a lot of the Dutch that were here in America were kind of like politicking to like give us our saint, give us our Santa Like, you know, we want to give these gifts and do these things and stop being such a Puritan drag or whatever And I think it was seen by, I don't know, what would you call them, the powers that be that, yeah, we should give them Santa so they don't just, like, punch each other all the time. And also, well, if Santa, like, looks like this, and maybe he could be, like, Coca-Cola Claus or whatever, and we can kind of steer this whole thing towards, like, buying gifts or whatever... And just the whole like idea of cheer and joy and stuff in the season in general. Um, I, I mean, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm I'm really a fan of like being able to see my family and being able to hang out with these kids. I'm I'm interested in like helping them like touch magic in that way. And you know, it's nice to give gifts and receive gifts, and that's been around for a long time. I mean, it gets a little ridiculous, you know, the the amount of toys and stuff. But anyway, um, there's something about the whole promotion of a month or two months or it's like three months now of like this joy and cheer at a time when you know we're going into the darkness and it's getting colder and where I live in Seattle it gets very rainy and it's gray and there's something about the weather and the changing of the seasons that actually promotes that um that gift of allowing ourselves to kind of hibernate and slow down and go within you know and instead, now we find ourselves having to like shop all the time and think about all these different people and cross things off lists, you know, and people obviously, you know, more than you probably take this like way out of control. And it just becomes this like chore and this pain and oh my gosh, when I'm going to get them, And you know, it's just there's like a lot of hardship, but it's this like false hardship. It's not even like allowing us to access our own hidden pains and what we want to release at the end of the year and what we want to like choose to to bring a new sunlight to and give a new birth to for the year ahead because we're just busy thinking about like the tasks and the other people and dealing with the traffics and the mall heaven forbid and all these things right and and shipping and, and that kind of stuff so I mean I think that's um I think that's a really important thing you know if there's anything in this kind of half humor podcast to really contemplate it's do you have time in the mania of holiday season whichever your holiday may be to really take a breath to slow down to tend to your own Self and your own, you know, hibernation, and your own quietude. Because you just think about, like, the Capricorn archetype, and what we think of it nowadays is this, like, workhorse and scapegoat and all these different things that is not the true Capricorn. But some of that is because we're so busy racing around, and doing our jobs and I mean you know I'm tempted to use that word slave again that um, we don't have time to really tend to our own callings as an evolutionary soul here playing the earth game and there's so much wisdom in the earth itself and think about the branches of the tree that comes through um, if we tap into the true beauty of the season Um, you know and the deer and the animals and the plants and all these different things so Anyway, for the Dutch, I was just talking about this, and we, we keep talking about this word "slave," and I want to bring bring us back to Schwarze, to Pete, to Black Pete. So, the the, the Dutch Santa Claus, he's um, he's much more like um, bishop-like, and maybe I should just say that really quick. Santa Claus himself is supposed, supposedly Saint Nicholas, right? And Saint Nicholas, like lived, he's this real guy, we're told, who was the bishop of. Um, Myra, which is now in Turkey, it used to be Greece, right? And the story, I guess, was that um, when he was a really young kid, he was cruising on pilgrimage, and he went on a boat, even though it was super dangerous, and he was just like a young teenager, and he went to Jerusalem, and he made it okay. But then they were heading back, and they got in this terrible storm, and St. Nick got on his knees and just was yelling, just praying out loud, and the storm abated. And, and so then he said, all right, immediately, like, dock this boat. Like, we need to find a church to go thank God, you know. And so they docked the boat and they cruised and they find this church. And at this church, the bishop had just retired. And, um, and he had also had a vision that the next bishop would be named Nicholas. And here's this kid in his church praying to God out loud for saving his life in this tremendous storm at sea. And um, he mentions that his name is Nicholas, and the guy's like, "Oh my gosh, you're the new bishop," and they made this teenager the bishop, and and you know he went for it because he saw that it was his calling. Um, and then he ended up in jail just because the Romans were like, "Hey, no more Christians for a while, and we gotta we gotta worship the pantheon of gods and goddesses." And uh, Nicholas and his whole crew were in jail, and then he like survived that, which is kind of said to be one of his young miracles in some senses. And then when um um, jeez, what's his name? The, the 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 emperor who went fully Christian when the whole empire went Christian oh come on man you know that guy starts with a C I
1: don't know who this guy is that you're talking about I wasn't paying attention in history class oh I bet you could
0: Well, I mean, if I edit this later, I'm gonna to have to edit so much stuff out. It's just. <laughs> it's just out of control at that There's point, a Maria.
1: Cornucopia. No, that's not someone's name.
0: Wait, keep saying C names, because that's gonna, like, totally bring it back in for me. <laughs> There's a lot of people on the other side of the line right now that are just like, come on, dude, Constantine. Right. Cornucopia totally brought me there. Um right Constantine so Constantine became Christian right and then Christianity became like the main thing of Rome and he let these guys out of jail including St Nicholas and St Nick was set back up as this like pretty young bishop and Myra, right? And then there were scenes like, I don't know, there were some, like, three kids that came to, like, pay him tribute on their way from Athens somewhere, and and they were slain by this innkeeper, and they were, like, salted to be sold as pork, which is a pretty creepy thing, and St. Nick found out about it. (laughs) Suit yourself. And then I stopped eating pork. But then he came in, and he... um, and he accused the innkeeper who actually admitted his sin and, like, confessed and all this. And Saint Nick actually kind of, like, blessed him for being truthful. And then he brought these kids back from life. So he did these miracles. I mean, that one's, like, pretty heavy. He was also known for having left gold in the boots of poor children, which is really interesting because that takes us back to Odin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who, when you know you leave hay in the boots for the eight-legged horse Sleipnir, <laughs> you get some stuff. And Odin again, who like hung himself in the tree for the nine days. And Odin had these ravens, these two ravens, who would fly around the um, nine realms and bring back well the word of, of the universes, you know. And that's, I guess, finally going to bring me back to to Pete or Black Pete. And maybe just, you know, pause this thing if you're in a place where you can do a web search and and type in Black Pete so you can tell what I'm talking about. I showed Mario some images at dinner. And it, I mean, it's like a shocking thing when you see these images. You'll you'll agree that this just feels to be one of the most racist things, like of all time. <laughs> it's pretty much
2: the downfall of humanity, right
0: here. <laughs> it, it's one of the downfalls of humanity, perhaps. So so you get um Claus, right? Who's this like pretty like hardcore po- <laughs> poked out Santa Claus? I mean, he's got like the shepherd's crook happening, and it's so weird that. That thing's called a crook anyway That trips me out But he's got like the full mitre, you know, like the bishop fish hat And he's like fully ducked out in red and white And, um, I feel like I want to listen to this <laughs> Nice oompa Right, he's got these oompa loompas Well, yeah, creepy I mean, so like Santa's elves, right? And Wonka's oompa loompas, like What's up with these like Volunteer slave races That kind of bring in this imagery Of like I mean child sweatshops frankly And then what's happening with Sinterklaas Is he rolls around with these dudes Called Schwarsta Pete Or Black Pete And if you looked at those pictures Then you would have seen like a bunch of little people In like fake afro wigs And blackface And um and, well, it's just kind of difficult to see. And nowadays, and this is still happening nowadays, well, there's a lot of people who are, you know, very anti-Schwarze Pete, as you can imagine, and they're kind of showing up at these Christmas parades where there's also a bunch of little kids, like, in blackface celebrating Schwarze Pete. So that's pretty crazy that Santa has these little helpers, like these little tiny, like, white people in blackface, like, what are they saying? And this is happening and. Some of the Scandinavian countries today, and I think Netherlands kind of like the, the specialists of this, and I, and I don't want to comment like on the people in those lands at all, but this is the kind of thing where we're celebrating these traditions where do we even know what the hell we're celebrating? Now, is there any beauty... In like the Pete thing I don't know So you know He's the one In in that tradition over there Pete's the one That goes down the chimneys But he does it Well before the toys Get delivered Because he's going to Spy on kids To see if they're Naughty or nice So these days Like we've brought
1: Which isn't
2: creepy enough On its own (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right right. Well you know And that's one of the gigs With Elf on the Shelf Like he's looking to see Who's been naughty or nice So Santa's kind of sent no. This like fake dude To hang out in the house And you don't know Where he is And if you touch him His magic goes away So you don't want to do Sounds that
2: like restraining orders Waiting to happen
0: Yeah well, well think about that We're like training kids To celebrate you know, the plastic things spying on them, which just freaks me out. It literally freaks me out just as much as Source the Pete, which definitely freaks me out. So, anyway, the little like black faced. Um, helper goes down your chimney and, and maybe he's got blackface because he's covered in soot but I I don't know why that would give him a little afro wig too anyway he's like spying to see who's been naughty or nice and then going back to tell Santa and the one thing I would say about this if it does preserve any of the ancient traditions is well aren't we looking at um, Odin's ravens you see what I'm saying Because here we have, like, his little black, like, um, spies heading out throughout the land to bring back these messages. So, the ravens, you know, I personally love ravens. Like, I'm wearing one on, well, a symbol of one on my neck right now. Um... That feels a little bit better to me Now the Raven Kingdom might not be so happy If I'm saying well you guys can kind of be Like our messengers or whatever I think if we're in right relationship that's cool But like little people in Afro wigs Being sent down chimneys to spy on kids For me that doesn't really sound like yeah, that doesn't sound okay to me in any way. And you know, it's it's interesting because Schwarz to Pete just gives us gives us maybe the most extreme imagery of like you know the sweatshop elves in the North Pole who are working like what like 364 days a year making Christmas, and um, and and that's like really nuts. Like, what these elves don't have anything else to do. It's ours this year. Um, yeah, that just freaks me out. And I got to say, personally, and this, I mean, I'm probably on so many naughty lists already for this episode tonight. But, you know, I, I personally have like a kind of a, a hard feeling when I see like, you know, little, little people as elves helping in the malls. And I say little people, and I don't even know what to say. Like, is it okay to say dwarf? Is it okay to say midget? Like, where are we at in, like, the PC realm of that whole thing now? But to see this, like, kind of fat Santa dude in, like, a fake beard and, like, kids sitting on his lap, like, that can kind of get creepy anyway. But then it's extra creepy for me when there's, like, little people dressed up as elves. And not because they're little people. It's because, like, well, you can be, like, the helper elf or something. And I think that's personally kind of fucked up, right? I mean, and we could say, well, it's cool because there's, like, a gig around summertime for, like, fat dudes who like to wear our beards and for, like, little people who want to dress like elves. But it just seems to me like... Yeah, it just feels a lot like Black Pete to me. And if we get back to the Saturnalia scene, well, I'm kind of wondering what if we tapped back into that, you know? So wouldn't it be that Santa should be the helper for the elves at that time of year? If usually they're helping him out, and what if we actually had a mall scene like that? Could you imagine, like people are sitting on on like the elves' lap while Santa's like doing the list stuff or whatever? Or, like, what about Schwartz to Pete? If like he's at the top of the sleigh while like Sinterklaas or like Pope Santa's dragging him around? Personally, I would kind of like to see that. Um, Because what we've lost in this whole thing regardless And we get into this just consumerism And this weird like almost spell of a fake mythos That really has no spirit left in it No religion left in it even No, you know, nature observance No respect for the sun and its annual course left in it Well we really lose... All these things we're trying to maintain when we're maintaining something false. It's like Mari and I were just hanging out in Santa Cruz and there's this whole kind of like Masonic compass layout and thing and I'm and it's not pointing north where it says north. I'm like, these are like some lazy Masons around here whoever built this thing. And I've seen that a few times. Um, In my travels recently And it kind of feels like If you're going to honor the sun By bringing in a sundial Or like a compass on the ground Like make sure it's facing The cardinal directions You know Unless you're intentionally Trying to move things out of whack And then you're not lazy You're just kind of vindictive Or kind of interesting In some ways that I haven't learned about yet But what is up When we start twisting Like the truth of the sun's path And and respect And um, in a sense like I guess we'll just say worship of that great, incredibly sacrificial, giving son. Yeah, the true son of human that brings us our warmth and grows our food and keeps us alive. I mean, this is really someone to celebrate this year. So for me personally, if we were celebrating Christ as the son itself, then I'm down and sign me up. And if we're celebrating the tree, especially ones that we don't cut down, as this reminder that we make it through, I'm totally down. And, well, there's this whole other thing about the tree, and I'll maybe start wrapping it up this way, but Odin was said to be, in a sense, like this great kind of father shaman. And... You know, the red and the white, the um, holly, the ivy, the mistletoe, well, there's definitely a lot of, like, fertility involved here. The the holly and the kind of thorns and the red berries, there's a little bit of Christ's crown, crown in there. I mean, there's so many different places we could go with this, but one thing you'll definitely hear about if you start looking into the mysteries of Christmas, especially in modern times, is you'll hear about, um, like, Liberty Cap as this idea of, like, Psychedelic mushroom shamanism And um, it's very interesting That to this day one of the most popular Ornaments is a red and white Capped mushroom Um, That's like the Amanita mascara mushroom Which is a psychedelic mushroom, right? And some say, and I've heard Many disagree that this was One of the main like shaman sauces of Siberia And I think It's definitely true of a lot of the northern Regions Um, but the general story is this, that, well, we can find so much of our Christmas traditions just in mushroom shamanism, because what happens is the the mushrooms, like the shamans pick them, and they hang them in the trees to dry, and so there's your ornaments. And then they basically would just trade ceremonies or trade mushroom healings for people, for food and whatever, and um, that... You know, after drying the mushrooms kind of as ornaments on an evergreen tree, you would bring it home and then you would dry it in a sock over the fireplace. So there's your stockings. And then when they would deliver it to people, if it was snowed in, as it often is in those northern you know, latitudes, then they would go through the other door in the house which is like a hole in the roof so there's like Santa coming down the chimney and the dude looks like our modern Santa because he's wearing red and white because he or she wants to look like this mushroom this mushroom which is less psycho active when you eat it straight than it is if you eat it and then drink your urine of course and I guess because some people had a hard time drinking their own urine it seemed easier to or maybe easier to mass produce or like Exchange the urine of animals that would eat these mushrooms, and some of the animals up there um, in those northern latitudes are reindeer. And so the reindeer would eat the mushrooms, Um, you would collect the reindeer um, urine, so you know, I guess eight maids would milk it, and then you'd get the urine, and then you'd drink the reindeer urine, and that would give you this psychedelic experience that would help connect you to nature. And so, I mean, I I think that story is really. Fun and wonderful There's actually a book um, Called Holy Mushroom Holy Cross Um, And I can't think of the author's name right now It's a very difficult read Because what it is This is one of the guys Who was the translator of the Dead Sea Scrolls One of the the Gnostic finds In the um, 20th century Of these books that had been buried for a long time Um, And all the other translators were Catholic And really tried to suppress this because there's like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, right? And, and And these books that were like eradicated from the Bible because they tell a whole different story from the Christian Gnostics. But anyway, there was one guy, and I'm sorry I can't remember his name, but check out that book, Holy Mushroom, Holy Cross, or Holy Cross, Holy Mushroom. And you'll find that this was the one guy who was in many ways responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls actually being translated and coming out to peeps because um he wasn't kind of limited in that system that was trying to suppress it and he's has this huge theory that um well that if you look etymologically you know looking linking language that's actually the christ spirit himself was the spirit of this mushroom and so the disciples were actually kind of like shamans who were engaging um in the psychedelic experience and contacting, you know, a spiritual entity from the other side um, who was the Christ figure. Now that's a pretty extreme way to go um, and certainly an extreme way to end. So let's do just a couple more things before we do because I want to make sure we just have a little... Uh, astronomy in this since that's what this podcast is supposed to be about, right? But check out Holy Mushroom, Holy Cross and you know, have a look yourself. I know John Irvin is doing a lot of talk about that in the YouTubes and whatever you can peep that out. I would say make sure you don't believe that is all of the mystical history of this holiday season because again it is like coming from many many different places so some of my favorite that i've read about is like the yule tradition which was definitely a winter solstice tradition you know and it's a feast to celebrate that we are in the darkest time the sun will come back and we're going to make it through it's a fertility festival like you know let's make babies now because they're going to be born during a season when they can be fully fed in this kind of thing um and actually the fertility festivals around the time of the year it's really interesting just to consider looking forward nine months from them what would that mean but speaking about nine which is this really important number well one of the traditions you know for the yule folks for like the the celts and the nordic traditions up there is that every nine years they would make like animal sacrifice and hang this the sacrificed animal in a tree in an evergreen tree so the tree was not cut down Maria asked that brilliant question of why do we respect a tree by cutting it down well we could say the same thing about an animal that's being sacrificed for sure but this was every nine years and you would hang the animal in the tree basically as a um, a gift to these gods who are gonna help you make it through. You would also carve runes on a Yule log and burn it in the fire as a gift to the god, and ask them for their protection, their guidance, this kind of thing. But every nine years is really interesting to me because this just happened this year where the moon has a 18.6 year dance. It's nowadays, and it was only named very recently, called the Lunar Standstill Cycle and i could do a whole podcast on that i don't want to speak about that so much but it, you know i do want to say that this year of 2015 16 um when the nodes the lunar nodes reach the aries libra the equinox points well that's when we have what's called a lunar minimum year that's when the north node is libra equinox south node is aries equinox as it was this year um and the other way, with the north node in Aries, south node in Libra, well, that's called the lunar maximum year. And in the minimum years, it'll say, like, when the moon is at zero cancer, cancer, the summer solstice point, it's actually the least far north of east it gets when it rises and sets. In a maximum year, the most far north. In a minimum year, the least far south of east when it hits zero Capricorn, winter solstice point. And on a maximum year, the most far south of east. That's the shortest way I could possibly explain that, and might, that might make no sense, but this year we are in a lunar minimum year, And I think them giving respect every nine years actually brings this in, that they're talking about looking at the solar minimums, the solar maximums. Now Stonehenge looks to this, Avebury, Chaco Canyon, Mesa Verde, Serpent Mound, Newark Earthworks, places all over the country that are looking into this very sacred timing of the moon. And this being like weather in California, like I was actually gazing into a gigantic rainbow driving up here to visit maria today from monterey well the rain is back in california for the first time in a long time and well because el nino is in the house you know and i'm starting to wonder well is el nino actually linked to these solar minimum maximum years but this christmas eve 2015 really christmas day on the west coast it was 3 a.m i think and the east coast 6 a.m we had a cancer full moon and it was not only a Cancer full moon, but it was a Cancer full moon in a minimum, a lunar minimum year. So this is a super sacred thing, and I would just ask you, I think, to do your own research around that one because for me to try to explain that's going to take a lot of images, and obviously this is an audio podcast. But check it out, but because it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and there's also 19 years okay so 18 point6 years the nodal path but the 19 year cycle it's called the metonic cycle the metonic cycle of the moon and this is moon and Sun so if you look like at your moon phase on your birth chart for example and then look at a chart for your birthday or your solar return, your 19th year your 38th year, your 57th year, you'll see that the sun and the moon are in the same phasal relationship and the same signs that's your solar return, this only happens every 19 years, it's called your metonic moon return, well there were also ceremonies in the old traditions every 19 years, so here are things where we see the ancients who were so tied into the earth, but they were also tied into the heavens And to honor the heavens one time now and to just bring this whole like crazy, you know, stream of consciousness into a focal point and maybe challenge you and myself to close. I want to speak about one of the most important astronomical alignments, astrological happenings of our current time. And this is called the Saturn-Neptune square. And Mari and I are recording this on January 7th, 2016, when Crescent Moon and Venus and Saturn were together um, in the morning sky. I got to see them this morning. They're square to the planet Neptune. And you'll hear lots of astrologers talking about Saturn square Neptune. It's really... Interesting In many ways It's kind of like The dream Versus the reality Or I just did an interview You could watch You could find it At morethanastrology.com Or search for Gemini Brett And Rick Levine Because I interviewed The great astrologer Rick Merlin Levine About this Saturn Neptune square And I think We're going to do it In, in three parts um, But there are three exact alignments of Saturn, 90 degrees from Neptune, Saturn in Sagittarius, Neptune in Pisces, and um, the first was on Thanksgiving Day in 2015. The next will be June 17th, 2016, very close to summer solstice, and the last one will be 9-11, 2016 and that's right I said a 9-11 and that's where we're going to end this craziness with a challenge because to me this is this Saturn and Sagittarius anyway is like are you ready to be real are you ready to see truth that you have hidden from are you ready to bring them into reality Neptune in Pisces, very healing, very beautiful in that way, but also very foggy, very delusional. Would we rather just be lost in a world of like television and other people's lives and stories, and actually getting into our own? You know, do we want to like join the joy and cheer protocol, not only because we love people and we want to give gifts, but also to avoid our own hardships, to avoid our own darkness? You know, so we don't have to see what this world is and what we're here to do and change and shift and evolve at times and even allow ourselves to hibernate, yeah. So this is what I've been thinking about as far as like the Christmas trip this year, which has been new for me, is that my nephew, he found out about the the tooth fairy. And the way that went was this, is, is that he had a, a friend over and he lost a molar. And my nephew said, oh, dude, you're lucky a molar's worth two bucks or whatever. And his mom's like, hey, Kyle, you know, there's different tooth fairies and they, you know, they have different economic systems. And maybe this kid's fairy like doesn't bring two bucks for a molar because she didn't want to put that on this kid's parents, you know. And Kyle's like, or my nephew, I should say. is like, wait, what? And, and he goes in his room for a while, and he comes out, and he's like, look, Mom, and don't lie to me. Are you the tooth fairy? And she said, oh, yeah. And see, they were expats in um, Spain for a few years, where they don't have a fairy that does the whole money for your tooth thing in Spain. Um, they have a rat that does it, which actually kind of makes a little more sense, but... The rat, you know, he's a little rat, and his name's Perez, so he, so he's Ratancito Perez. And um, my nephew said, the tooth fairy is you, and Ratancito Perez? And she said, si, también, yes, also. And he said, the Easter Bunny? And she said, yeah. And he said, look, I don't even want to ask about the big guy, right? And he went and he slammed his door. And we all know who the big guy is, right? Huh? He's, uh, he's yeah. seven years old. No, he's ten years old. Yeah, yeah. His mom, my sister, is the one who told me about the big guy. After television, facts of life, TV show, like, broke my whole dream. Because there's something about that magic, and this is what I think about, you know? Like, this kid, he loves his elf on his shelf, he loves the big Santa, he, you know, the whole thing. They, they put on their Christmas show, and they put the cookies out, and, you know, just loves the whole trip, right? But... My sister is a lovely, incredible woman and she's a magical woman and she's a naturopath and I I know in my heart that her intent is not evil to give this child like a a mythos, a story that she knows is not real And, and because the trip is when we find out that you know things are not what we were told in this scene it can be really heartbreaking and and you're young and often usually and you feel very betrayed and everyone's lied to you and they were all in on it you know and these are kind of some of the words that i'm hearing from this guy about the other characters and he's about ready to break through this the, the big guy story And it really hurts me. But then I look, it's like, well, why is it? It's like, it's not like my sister's, like, trying to deceive him because it's fun for her. You know, I think there is a little bit of, well, what happens if your kid, you know, is one of these, well, you know, it's mathematically impossible for Fantas to visit every house in the world. Like, that's just illogical if you have that really academically smart kid. Well... Or you have the kid that you decide to teach that this whole thing isn't necessarily real? Well, how do they deal at school when all their friends are believing in this thing i've I've had the pleasure and honor to talk to a, a few peeps who grew up in that way, and that was really uncomfortable for them. so and also, are you giving them magic and cheer and joy and these traditions and this kind of thing? Is it this gift? Well, like I know, my sister's an incredible loving, and in no way evil so clearly she's not doing that for bad and what it really has helped me with and looking at this Saturn square Neptune which to me the challenge is do you want to keep living in delusion and the gift is do you want to bring your true dreams into reality but only the gift if you're willing to face the challenge of the delusions and the fog and the confusions by authority figures, mostly, and that the last date of their alignment is on 9-11, you know, I don't get past that. And the 15th year of 9-11, which is 9-11's Saturn opposition, halfway to the Saturn return of 9-11, which featured Saturn opposite Pluto, and I could go on and on about that, and I probably will in future sharings, But I want to say this Like what deep truths Have been hidden from us Intentionally And how are we Unknowingly living In the magic of a false story Because I believe this is happening In our so-called reality And I believe most people Listening to this See this also And that most of us Are having this awakening experience each in our own way I mean it's meant to be unique and individual but one thing that's almost always a part of it is that there's this isolation for some time because you're waking up to oh my god I've been living in a a false reality and I've been lied to and I've been betrayed and all these things you know have been done to me to keep me asleep to keep me as a slave to just continue building Santa's toys or whatever it may be. Um, but so what? What's really been fun for me in this contemplation is well, if in this example my sister is not evil for telling her kids about Santa, is the you know powers that shouldn't be or whatever you want to call them are they literally having an evil tent for keeping people living in a dream for keeping people not from seeing a reality for giving people the joy and cheer season to keep them from going into their own darkness and Mm -hmm. the challenge of that is there actually a beautiful even parental intent to give us christmas all the time do you see what i'm saying by that
2: yeah, because it's developmentally appropriate for children at certain level to have, to play into imagination and imaginary, um, magical thinking, right? So, is it developmentally appropriate for humans at this stage of consciousness to have whatever falsehoods we're animating? You know, is that part of the developmental arc that once we break free of it, then we can have perspective on the rest? But until we break free, it's like there was no other choice and like we see that as parents who know that it's not the thing but we still see the kids and develop like does it does it evolve them on other levels that are important that the the heartbreak is worth it at a certain point
0: totally and are we the kids in that sense and so this is you know i say this often now is well there is no freedom without the cage And the trip to me, like, when my dad asked me about am I going to teach my kids about Christmas and Santa and that kind of thing, it's like, well, I want to give them the real magic. Like, I don't want to give them this false magic. Because what happens is when we break out of that and we're we're told it's not real, well, then do we believe all magic is unreal? Do you see what I'm saying? That, to me, is, like, the really, like, shady side of it. But then what you're saying, in a sense, is, like, and this is what I'm finding more and more through this experience with um, my nephew's like kind of Santa awakening. He's on the verge of it, right? Is and and you know there's there's a, a time in the consciousness where we're meant to be, you know, living in 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 magic and dream and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, is that actually the catalyst for them to break out of that? And do we need that so then we can? align ourselves to a real magic
2: right well and like in, in integral theory they say that like um every stage that you get at so like magical thinking as a stage of development and then natural, like it's natural to break up with it as a way to push yourself into the next stage so the like disillusion of magic it's like we, there's this desire to like, as people who are sort of reintegrating and reweaving the magical thread into our lives, there's this desire, I think to like protect people from the disillusion of magic. Um, I know I feel that in myself and I wonder if like, it's a, pr- it's important to have that breaking up for a moment so that it, you come back into relationship with it from a, a different orientation. Like the center of gravity around magic has shifted because your capacity changed because of like one level of magic dissolved but then when you re-engage it it just it's transcended almost
0: Right, well because so there's like a we could say like a false magic and a real magic right right and there's something about like we've had the the training of of the false magic right And then the divorce from it, that gives you the opportunity to come back to it. Right, because you're
2: cultivating... Because the state that you experience is real, but maybe the constructs around it are incomplete because we can only conceive of so much, and so we're supporting that conception so people can experience the state. right? But then at a certain stage, they break out of what holds that together, and then they have to... But the state's still possible, and so... We reconnect with it. And maybe it's an immature developmental arc. I mean, I, I wonder about cultures that... Are there cultures that are able to keep that thread of magical thinking throughout Unbroken wouldn't that be nice so that there isn't that pain but is true reunion with source possible without that severance
0: yeah well the only place I've ever seen that in a way is like from people who are raised in shamanic lineages but like they weren't living some this like happy fairy magical life they were in like a really like demonic crazy like you know tear me apart put me together kind of thing and obviously I don't know many of those people but yeah, that, I'm just trying to get with this idea of like, well, if we're kind of like deceived to like live in a reality where we're not the full magically manifestative creative beings mm-hmm. that we're capable of being, is that in some way actually okay. loving? Yeah. That's that's the trippy question because for <laughs> me for the last few years, it's been this great deception this great this great harm this great cage this great betrayal and now i'm just trying to ask this question is actually at some level and not the spiritual level because it source it's love you know but even on this human level like is there a weird hidden benevolence in in that and i like that um That you'll go there with me, Maria And I wonder if you folks will And um, Well, this has been a fun one If you made it through that wild romp Of the first 15 minutes, hopefully uh, You've enjoyed Where this ended up And um, I want to, of course, thank my Musical Muse here And just amazing soul Maria Stark Who you can find at MariaStarkmusic.com M-A-R-Y-A S T A R K dot com I'm Gemini Brett. You found the podcast. You can also find me at more than on the web. And there you'll find um, a project called the 13th Flower, which Mari and I have been co-creating since August of 2015 and will continue to do so. That's honoring the Venus cycle now and the rising of the global goddess over a long period of time and how the masculine is here to support the feminine and vice versa and what the planets in some senses are saying about our awakening. And um, I'd love to hear what you think about You know, the end of this conversation I'm very confused about it I'm very confused about a lot of things But it's a it's a question that interests me more Than kind of the fear-based and anger stuff Where I've been in uh, for the last few years um, I lived in this town in Santa Cruz When 9-11 happened And it took me a long time to break courageously through this Santa story that was told to me about that to honor some of the other potential threads in it, and I'm sure many of you have done that, or we all have our own route, yeah, but this Saturn Neptune Square is this challenge. Are you willing to see a reality that has been hidden from you that you have hidden from, and that always doesn't, that doesn't always have to be this evil thing, yeah. There's no freedom without the cage. (laughs) But freedom is just a a right. But something that I think we ourselves have to awaken to. And I hope that for all of us. I hope that for me. I see that in Maria. (laughs) And I'm on my way. And I hope that for all of us. And I will see you there. And I will see you in space. A blessed epiphany to you. May the dreams be born into reality.